Welcome to Activating Sustainability, the Anthesis Podcast. My name is Chris Peterson and I'm your host. Today we're joined by James Wallace and we'll be talking about the new Anthesis purpose and positioning of the Sustainability Activator. This is a concept that I'm really excited about and really looking forward to engaging with James to get a better understanding of where it came from. Before I open it up to James, just a little bit about his background, him and his good brand peers were originally brought in to kind of support Anthesis, take a look at the market, make some recommendations for how we approach the future as Anthesis. And I know back in February, James and the Good Brand folks actually ended up joining in that journey with us. So excited to dig into this. James, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Chris. Great to be with you. <laughs> yeah, wonderful. So how are things going today? I imagine it's been a pretty busy period for you. Very much so. Yeah. So this is all layered on top of the the usual sort of sprint finish end to the year. So it's a busy December ahead. It's been a busy November behind, and uh, and this has been a big a big part of that, I must say. But um, going well. All all good uh, good problems to have. Being busy, um, it's it's nice to be uh, nice to be doing doing the work. It feels like that's the challenge of being in this industry, right? Is yeah. there, there's yeah, so yeah, many much. exciting <laughs> things going on. You really want to dig into every one of them, and then you kind of catch yourself being like, oh. There's a lot of balls in the air. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, Plate spinning. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, yeah. There's none of them that you want to let go, right? It's the <laughs> kind of personal passion play within it. So. Totally. Yeah, but like I said, great problem to have. Good. Well, maybe kind of digging into the activator concept. As I said, I'm really excited about this and keen to understand what it means going forward. I have certain things that I feel about that, right? In terms of enthusiasm for it, you know, really embracing the concept. Excited to see kind of where Anthesis is going and what that means for us, but also keen to hear from you of kind of where did that come from? What does that really mean? Is it just kind of putting a new title on the same thing? Is it a really a fundamental change to us? But maybe we could start at the beginning. It's great to have the opportunity to talk about this, maybe a little bit more long form uh, than, than we've managed for many of our colleagues and clients so far. I guess in the Good Brand team or the team formerly known as Good Brand, we're asked to, to help the business uh, right back, I think pretty much uh, November last year. And through that journey, ended up getting to know Anthesis a lot better and, and ended up, in fact, joining the business. So we had um, a big stake in this piece of work, um, which uh, which is good at keeping you honest, as especially as a brand consultant. And uh, when we began that piece of work, we quite quickly saw that there were two kind of big areas of reason, you know, why now? There's a kind of business reason and there's a there's a big world reason um, in the sense that you know, many of us in, in the broader sustainability community are, are very much committed to making a positive difference in the world. And, and you look around now, um, and this won't be lost on anybody, whether sustainability professionals or not, you see a new sense of energy and a new sense of urgency around this agenda, which you know might say has been a long time coming, um, which has a big kind of uh, activist component to it, but also some real business and society continuity challenges that we're facing. We talked about this as the decisive decade, the, the 2020s being 10 years, which in a, a quite meaningful sense, the decisions we take, the actions we take uh, as as a society, um, and especially in business and especially in government, will determine the shape of the next thousand years. Uh, and of course, that's particularly true in respect of climate change, but it's also true in respect of food systems and a number of other really sort of critical uh, foundational aspects of human quality of life and the health of the planet. Um, so there's this amazing moment that exists where people are starting to wake up to, to that necessity. and 
when, when you look at that agenda, you look at the urgency with which people are starting to pay attention to it. And then you see the pace of change that, that's actually happening. You quite quickly see a mismatch. I guess, you know, one of, one of the data points that we discovered in all of this was, was a piece of work done by one of the big management consultancies that showed that of all sustainability programs, only 4%, and this was a 2018 piece of work, only 4% actually achieve all of their objectives. Um, there are about another half that are uh, kind of diluted and a further half that, according to their definition, fail outright. Yeah. And I, um, I thought it was such a yeah. fascinating study, right? Because it, it is that thing that I think we all experience anecdotally, but to see that aggregated, right? And it yeah. kind of matches that frustration that I think we all feel within our organization of seeing the potential that we can achieve versus what we are achieving, right? And right. not seeing how we can break through and, you know, tying mm. that into that decisive decade is a really interesting concept to create some of that urgency. It feels like everybody has said, yeah, we need to deal with this, but there hasn't been that like brick wall per se that we're really driving towards. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. And I think you know when you when you look at, at why that change isn't happening, there are mm. all sorts of reasons, and and they're they're interconnected, complex reasons. Um, and you know, a big part of it is that as service providers, you know, we and as activists or as citizens who who want to see this kind of change, we're asking organizations to to look at the world, um, to think and to act in very different ways from um, from how they are used to looking, thinking and acting. And, you know, you're required to look at a much broader domain of, of issues, many of which are, are quite technical. They're quite complicated, uh, which change very fast, that have advancing science in all of those fields. Um, you need to develop plans <laughs> to respond to those in whatever way is, is right for your business. And then you need to be actually able to act and, and execute those plans. And each of those things poses a big challenge because, you know, fundamentally in the most basic sense, what we see is that a lot of organizations are still trying to use their old tools uh, to do these new things. You know, an example of this would be you see a lot of consumer brands at the moment paying a lot of attention to sustainability issues and then struggling to actually sort of translate those into action and into communication, which are mm -hmm. very important. And, and part of the reason for that is that, you know, a lot of the people who are doing this work who are very well motivated, but they're only really equipped with, uh, with the classic tools of brand marketing. So you're spending a lot of time, of course, thinking about consumers and talking to your target audiences about what matters to them and so on. But you don't necessarily have the time horizon or the kind of broad domain of expertise that you need to really understand those issues and drive them back into your business. And, mm -hmm. you know, you're working maybe a lot with your creative agencies to try and solve those problems. And, and it's the same thing. Because you know they are businesses full of clever people, but uh, who are used to doing doing things a particular way that isn't really compatible with this agenda. Essentially, I have an example from the utility sector where I spent a lot of time in, and I know we were working with one a team at a utility that went through a really comprehensive stakeholder engagement process. And one of the senior leaders at the end of this process, <laughs> uh, you know, got up and spoke where. He'd really seen the light. He was a somewhat yeah. sustainability skeptic in advance. And he said, you know, historically, I understood affordability. Our economists could predict our costs and our revenue. We understood safety as really being embedded within the culture. We understood reliability as our three key drivers being driven by engineering. But sustainability mm -hmm. was this nebulous thing that we just could not get our arms around. Right. And just were not set up to even understand it, let alone taking that next step of yeah. how do we incorporate it into our yeah. business processes and practices, metrics and definition of success.
right? So. Totally. And, uh, you know, it's a big, it's a big topic, this, and, and we could probably, we could probably go deep on mm-hmm. this bit. One of the, one of the interesting things I've noticed is that when people do go on that journey, it, it resolves, in many cases, it almost resolves a kind of existential angst. <laughs> this right. might, it's, it's a little bit loose, but, um, you know, people, as 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 human beings and in their personal lives generally care very deeply about this very deeply and very intuitively at a moral level or at a spiritual level for many people um but the kind of traditional economic context of of the firm you know which was in in scope for um for that senior leader who you just mentioned um Mm. doesn't really admit of these things it doesn't necessarily let them into the picture and so you know the way this is sometimes explained is you have to sort of check your values at the door when you're going to work and of course nobody really likes to do that but they do it because they think it's right and because it's what what's rewarded by the market and that's actually changing and so when you can help people see why these things matter you know what these things really are and why they matter to the future of those organizations and to their stakeholders and um and their kind of wider context it resolves i think a tension or a kind of existential angst in people's minds to say oh actually this can be part of my life it can be part of what i'm doing in the world mm-hmm. um and that's a very rewarding process to see when when it happens but it's not always easy to get there because it's a frontier you know this is this is new yeah. stuff well, and it is, um, it's that tipping point within an organization, right? Where you shift from, like you say, leaving your values at the door to that being an acceptable practice and demonstrating that it really does tie into the business. And maybe right. that, that kind of cascades into my next question here, which is kind of why am thesis? Right? Mm. I think everybody can agree on this concept, but you know, is it somewhat egotistical of us? Is it, what's the thinking behind it's like, are we have a role to play there? Right. Well, yeah. And, and the, so the thing we've just talked about is, is in a way got nothing to do with analysis because, you know, if we're asking why, why now for this process? Well, there's an urgency of need and an unmet need in the outside world, which we can all recognize and that matters mm-hmm. for everybody. The next bit is saying, well, so what? What are you, what are you going to do about it? You know, the, the, I guess there's a little bit of this, which is the history of anthesis, which, um, you know, for anybody who's listening who, who isn't already familiar with this, uh, anthesis was only founded in, in 2013, um, really as, uh, really going after a quite distinctive market space uh, as between uh, the big kind of multidisciplinary firms that are out there who do sustainability among a load of other things and the small specialist boutiques. To put it simplistically, the big process has been a, a series of, of acquisitions and hiring teams and a few seriously talented individuals, um, uh, well, a lot of very seriously talented individuals, mm-hmm. um, and, and assembling a set of capabilities that covers in a specialist way the full discipline as far as possible of sustainability. You know, over that period, there's obviously been a lot of sort of acquisition driven growth and a lot, um, pretty serious, uh, organic growth as well up to around 30 million sterling net revenue today. Um, so a big success story, but there's a kind of phase two to that where once you've, you've assembled those capabilities, you need to think about how you're going to use them to make the biggest impact in the world. And mm-hmm. so. When I am with my colleagues, uh, Peter and Dean and Charlie were looking at, at, at the business from the outside, what we saw was an assembly of, um, seriously smart people with a globally unique, um, set of capabilities rooted in, uh, evidence and rooted in very pragmatic hands-on work. And I guess we see, you know, anybody in the sustainability community knows that there is 
brilliant insight, research, um, studies being put out on big material topics and you know future practices and so on all the time. It's one of the great privileges and luxuries of working in this field compared to maybe you know areas where there's more commercial sort of sensitivity and less uh, less kind of philanthropic interest is that this information is out there. There's a lot of talk, but there's not enough action as we've already seen. Mm -hmm. And what we saw with Anthesis was both the reality and the potential for much greater action, which is the coalface, hands-on, direct grips with specific sustainability challenges on behalf of, of cities, on behalf of businesses, a number of different kind of sector organizations where we could combine the many disciplines of sustainability into cross-functional teams that can actually make things happen. And so there's this, there's a kind of capability blend there. And then the other thing is an end-to-end capability. And quite a few businesses say this, but it is actually true for Anthesis that across those disciplines, we're able to see people who are great at the at the very upfront kind of fact-finding analytics and insight piece to really understand what's going on all the way through innovation, strategy, the development of practical tools to respond to those insights through to making things happen in the world. Mm-hmm. And that is literally, as I, 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 I've said this to many people, but it is, you know, Anthesians up on the roofs of factories bolting on solar panels. You know, it's, it's to that level of execution. Yeah. And so you put those things together, you have, you have the, the multi-expert specialist sustainability expertise with a lot of kind of business expertise uh, to match it and the end-to-end capabilities, then you start to look like a great fit for that context where mm-hmm. you know change isn't happening. We are able to support change. We're not the only people in the world that can do it. But for us, I think really crystallizing that potential and helping us to continuously do our best work and make the biggest difference in the world is what we're trying to get at with this idea of the sustainability activator, making sustainability happen and the unique assembly of, of capabilities we think we do have to do that, even if others, of course, are able to also create change, of course. Yeah, no, and it's wonderful to hear you say it, right? And I think they, we've all seen brands, they, you know, you get refreshed and it's something's bolted on, but, you know, you and the Good Brands team really seem to tap into that culture and the you know core of who Anthesis is. And for me personally, part of what I love about that group is exactly like you said, that really desire to make it happen, right? And not shying away from the challenges and partnering mm-hmm. with whoever it takes to achieve that value, like for clients internally, externally, whatever it may be to make that work. Like say, it's not just us doing it, it's this collective effort, but recognizing that role that we have to play within it. Right. Yeah. Everybody does if we're going to get through this decisive decade, look back fondly as opposed to kind of shatteringly disappointed. You know, we want the idea of the sustainability activator ultimately to be an inclusive idea. So, you know, it can sound a little bit corny to people sometimes at first, but we want to think of ourselves as individuals, as, as activators, you know, out there helping to make practical, real, meaningful change happen. Um, but to, obviously to include our partners and to include our clients and to include our friends and family in this to really sort of help to mobilize um, all of the resources, all of the capabilities that, that are necessary to create this change. You know, when you throw that term sustainability activator out there, what does it really mean kind of in concept? And then what does it mean for you personally? 
well, so in, in a way, with ever <laughs> all of these things, it can be whatever you want it to be. But no, we actually want it to mean something specific. I, I guess I, I would have uh, assumed so. That was my impression. Yes. Is that it's like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, that sounds catchy. Uh, let's put that out there. Right? Nice. Let's, let's just try if, that. If that was but, the plan, it's going to be very clearly defined by the group. So yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, to draw back the curtain, uh, uh, you know, as ever on these things, there's. Um, what we often say, um, especially when you're talking about service businesses and, and never more so than in kind of professional services, the, the appropriate way to think about, um, brands is, uh, is not as, as the kind of the change of the wording and, you know, maybe some new colors and a new logo and a wrapper around the mm-hmm. business. But instead, as the way we normally explain it is this, this sense of, um, ideas that drive organizations from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, that means really first and foremost for all of us embedding the idea of, uh, activator in our hearts, um, bringing that into our behavior, bringing it into, um, our teams, uh, bringing it to our client work, bringing it into our marketing communications and bringing it into, um, really everything that we do, the kind of, the kind of work that we, uh, that we create for clients, the kind of impact that we make in the world. So it's a, it's very much an inside out thing. And when we talk mm. about being the sustainability activator, that is a, that is a, a mission to make sustainability happen which is a classic piece of lang- language for, um, for Anthesis, but really is a response to the slow pace of change and the vital urgency of that change and the understanding that we as, as individuals and particularly within Anthesis and with our particular backgrounds, but again, also for our clients who, who work in this, this world or indeed others who are in, you know, adjacent functions in in businesses or other organizations it is a mission for them as well because we have power <laughs> inherent in, in us we have the knowledge we have the tools we have the practical equipment between us we have everything we need to actually understand our situation to devise appropriate responses and then to make them happen one you know, contrast we might draw is um is the sort of activist to activator idea. And activism is a, is a critical driver, obviously, of cultural progress and of action mm-hmm. from others. And I think is a big ingredient of the change in urgency we've seen in the last couple of years. But activator, um, is about creating change where activism is about a- a- advocating change. We want to be hands on creating change. We want to be answering the specific questions. We want to be solving the specific problems. And we really want to be making things happen. It's so exciting to see that come together because that certainly feels like part of what we can bring to the table, right? Is that how do you harness the business, right? How do you translate that activism into that change of values for the senior leader that I was referencing, right? So that that becomes the culture of the organization and you're harnessing innovation, you're harnessing all of that passion and drive within these organizations to realize and drive and, you know, make sustainability happen. In a way, all we're doing there is distilling, crystallizing, and sharpening something that, that's already happening um, mm-hmm. at our best within Anthesis. But you know, in that process, hopefully, we become uh, more consistent and more focused on those appropriate behaviors. And it starts to reveal that maybe a slightly different way of thinking about our, our work. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if you think about what it means to actually make things happen, well, for example, one big ingredient of that is changing hearts and minds in organizations. 
Mm -hmm. And that is about more than giving those organizations the right information that they need to create that change. It also requires the right kind of influence. It requires you to engage with human beings who have all of the kind of messy stuff going on in their hearts and minds that human beings have. Mm -hmm. uh, it involves being sort of gentle with people, flattering them, navigating corporate politics, whatever it might be, but really helping to recognize that this isn't just a process of, you know, giving people the information they need and, and walking away or indeed just supporting them with the logistics and subcontracting they need and, and just leaving it at that, but instead really saying, that this is a process, this is a human process. It's about moving cultures on. It's about moving individuals on, helping them to, you know, see things in a different way that can then drive different behavior and doing that gently, you know, giving people the stepping stones that they need to the necessary transformation. And, so, and, I love uh, that. and I love that idea of like, how do you actually get them to the transformation? I think so often within the sustainability space, we see efforts such as a sustainability report. Uh, study, whatever it may be, that we're just not carrying out that extra 10% to get it to that point of translating into value, right? right. And how, how do we support that piece? And I mean, that was certainly one element that I see within that activator role for us is how do we enable that? Absolutely. And that's, I'm glad you brought that up because it's such an important point in all of this. You know, if we, if we're doing that, then, you know, what you need to be doing is pulling the levers that make change happen. And, you know, we see it time and time again as organizations advance on, I guess, a, a kind of maturity curve with sustainability is that when they start to notice that sustainability drives commercial performance, then suddenly it starts to attract more attention and, and resources. Mm -hmm. And, the, you know, pathways for that, uh, you know, they can be generalized quite easily, but they can't always be specified that easily. So there's a bit, there's a lot of work to do if for the individual cases of different organizations to understand what that looks like for them. Um, but if you can do that, it accelerates this process. The money greases it. <laughs> it helps yep. to make things happen. Of course, that's where we want to get to. We want to get to the point where everybody at the individual level and at the organizational level has the right incentives to do this. So a big part of the activator role. Yes, it's about moving hearts and minds, as I was just saying. You know, one of the things that moves minds in, especially, of course, in commercial businesses is, uh, is squaring that circle of performance and the relationship between sustainability and performance, which, as you know, and, and many of our colleagues and many of our clients know, is not an oppositional one, you know, mm -hmm. where sustainability is, is a sort of regrettable operating cost that you need to pay for license to operate or to not get sued or, you know, not to be sort of regulated out of existence, but otherwise is, is a sort of something that we could do without through to the point where it furnishes organizations with completely new ways of looking at the world that drive innovation and drive performance. And, yeah. uh, and that, that is a, the pathways to that are not always so straightforward, but it is truth. And, uh, <laughs> in many cases, yeah. you know, it's possible. It's available to us. And, and if you can help people to discover those, you know, it gathers its own momentum. So commerciality and performance are a massive component of what it means to be the sustainability activator, recognizing those and boosting them for our clients, whatever performance looks like for them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, it's a great way to put it. And fascinating too, to think about like how all of this is coming to a crescendo now, like what we're seeing within the investor community, that yeah. recognition within organizations, the kind of more active engagement from consumers, et cetera. So yeah, fascinating yeah. time within it. So a little bit like I talked about at the beginning, or you and I have talked about in the past, right? Is that certainly I feel a certain personal passion around this. What will success look like? And especially as we think about our client, what will be different 
as we go forward now that we're in this kind of activator mindset? Very important question. Probably one that I should have, a, <laughs> have an answer ready for, I think. Look, this needs to come through into the work that we do and, um, and into the impacts that, that we make. Um, so, you know, if we think about this from an internal and thesis perspective, one of the big things that we need to be doing is, is working outside of our silos. So many of us are specialists in particular kind of technical disciplines or kind of streams of sustainability. Uh, and, and quite often we work essentially in those silos where there is a kind of RFP and a kind of really defined sort of scope from a client and they have a particular informational need or something like that. And we go through the process, we meet that need and then we, then we move on. And, you know, that's common in lots of, uh, of professional services businesses. Fine. And it, you know, does add value. But where we want to get to is the recognition that those, that information that we will be serving that client with is extremely material in many cases to the long-term prospects and performance of their organizations. It is linked to other things that are going on in, in that organization. And we need to be in a position where we are actually uh, engaging on behalf of our clients with their peers and driving action through the business. So I think rambling way to get to it, but, but being able to, to really focus on, identify and recognize the material outcomes of our work and the material impact of our work in respect of uh, making our clients more sustainable and helping them to drive performance, I think would, would be crucial. And, and from an inside perspective, you know, that's what it looks like from a client perspective. And from an inside perspective, a lot of that is about the nature of the teams that we bring to our clients, really having cross-functional teams who feel confident and equipped to drive that kind of conversation and that kind of value for clients to really expand the frame of reference wherever it's appropriate to say, this is how we are going to help your organization to perform in a way which is sustainable. And at the moment, you know, there is a fair share of our work that is like that. And the more that we can be shifting the majority of our work over in that direction, the better. Um, and with that goes the end to end journey. So the more clients where we can take them from the first kind of head scratching moment saying, hang on, we need to, you know, do a proper life cycle analysis on our portfolio of toilet rolls or whatever it might be mm -hmm. right away to them building a new sustainable supplier base um, and having an ongoing relationship with those partners for the future, the more of that end-to-end -end work we, we can be doing, the better. Um, and the upside for that, of course, for us as individuals, is in many cases, that work is is more interesting from a subject matter point of view and more rewarding from a job satisfaction point of view because we, you know, we're making change. But of course, it's also higher value work that better reflects the sophistication, the growing sophistication of client needs, where the compartmentalization of sustainability, people are increasingly realizing that that can only take you so far. And the clients are asking the question, how does this all integrate with other stuff that we do? You know, how, how does my sustainability connect with my brand marketing, for example, a question that we come up to a lot. That's, that's what they're asking. And those are the questions that we need to be answering and we need to be driving impact through those questions. So I'm not sure if that, that maybe partly answers your, your question. Yeah, no, no. And I think it's a tricky one, right? Cause it, like I say, I mean, I really felt like you and the Good Brands team hit the core of what I think attracted me to Anthesis, what attracted my peers to it. And I think this activator is a great way to put that. And I think the conversations I've had with peers around it has been that bringing it to the culture and putting a name to what is already there. And, you know, uh, 
entire focus around that. and exactly like you say, like how, you know, really challenging us to not just do what we did last year, but to think again about how do we do right. more? How do we enable yeah. this? How do we connect to that value and connect to that next step and enable our clients to do that, enable our teams to do that? And this decisive decade being a really good framework for us. Most of us individually sort of have, have an element of that. And, and just to the first point you mentioned there, Chris, I think you know, one of the things that we loved about Anthesis is no matter which of our colleagues we meet anywhere in the world, there is, um, a, a fundamental alignment of values and intent. You know, we don't, we, we have many different backgrounds, um, as individuals and we have many different personalities as individuals and we have different cultures in our different offices around the world. But we've got this one sort of really significant point of, of unity, which is that we're all fundamentally trying to do the same thing, which means that any collaboration, any conversation launches in with that shared value. And it makes it very easy for us to cooperate and to do, hopefully to do great things in the future. And there was a nice, uh, a nice way of, of reflecting this actually when, when Anthesis acquired, um, joined with Lavola mm-hmm. back in February this year and Perry Poos, founder of Lavola, just made the remark that this was, uh, two companies, one soul. Um, yeah. which I think really captured nicely the, the kind of cultural dimension of this. There's just one thing I'd like to hit on as well, which is, if we were to bottle all of this into a basic cultural motivation, it is the one captured in our statement of purpose, which is to activate a more productive and resilient world. Uh, so we talked about activate, but this idea of a more productive and resilient world came from the, the great challenge we have, which is to understand what actually is sustainability? Uh, what does it look like? <laughs> and how can we connect that to uh, forms of value for our many different clients and partners. Um, because sustainability is ill-defined. There's a paper that identifies more than a thousand different academic definitions of sustainability. So that's right. problematic by itself. So you haven't got a stable objective to be pointing at necessarily. You kind of, you know, in some cases, you know it when you see it, but you're always vulnerable to that argument that says, well, the most sustainable thing you could do is stop operating. And that's not that's not what we want. Instead, we want to be shaping a world that really, I guess, conforms to that classic definition of sustainable development of meeting the needs of the present without compromising the ability of future generations to meet their needs. And if we drag that down into a, a sort of a question about what does that look like today? Well, it looks like these two values of productivity and resilience, um, which are values that are recognized by commercial companies. So productivity is not just, is not just the kind of classic kind of efficiency narrative, but instead is pretty much a story of human progress. It's the ability to realize more of what we value from what we have, which is going to be an ever more important challenge for us in a, you know, a resource constrained future. Um, but it happens through innovation. It happens through imaginative recombination of resources, smarter ways of doing things. Um, it happens through great ideas. It happens through, um, employee engagement. Productivity is a, is a master value of sustainability. The more productive we can be, the better quality of life we can produce for more people on less resources. And then resilience is the other piece, which is, you know, a recognition, a fundamental recognition that we will in the coming de- decades be facing threats, challenges, shocks of all kinds, some some of which we can anticipate, others of which are maybe harder to see coming. And um, 
you know, an example of that, of course, will be the massive rise in salience of plastics for the consumer goods in- industry, which is, you know, it's pretty much a step function, exponential growth in the, in the importance of this issue for them that has happened over the course of two years. Well, mm-hmm. that looks like an external shock. Uh, and there, there's been a, a big scrambling to, to catch up, uh, which is great. But, you know, we can expect many more of those kinds of things to happen in the future. So resilience is our ability to hopefully avoid <laughs> um, those yep. kinds of but, but more particularly to be able to adapt, uh, respond, bounce back from those shocks um, more readily in the future. And, you know, as time goes on, we can expect those two values of productivity and, and resilience, you know, if you just think about it in a business context, to become more important strategic differentiators for businesses. Because the more shocks, the more resource constraint that you face, the more resilience and productivity are going to matter. And what's nice about that is that those values really ladder to what we want for our world. They they ladder through us as individuals. We want to be probably as far as possible productive. We want to be resilient, um, understood in the broadest sense. We want our communities to be productive and resilient, our cities, our societies to be productive and resilient. We want our world to be, we want our companies to be productive and resilient. And so... That idea, productivity and resilience and, and activating a more productive and resilient world should be at either the top to, or the bottom of, of our motivations, depending on which way you look at it. And if you know, we come back to that question of what success looks like, if we are producing, if we are shaping a more productive and resilient world uh, five years from now, 10 years from now, then we're winning. Yeah, well, I'm fascinated too to tie back to some of your earlier comments about you know, like what's gotten us here is not going to get us to where we need to go, right? right? We need new tools and perspectives to kind of prepare for this next decade. So maybe are there a few kind of final comments from you, either in terms of what's next, what's the future hold, or you know anything else that comes to mind? Let's just go and make this happen. It's an exciting moment. Um, it can be a daunting moment. Uh, but you know, between us, we have everything we need to create change. And I just encourage people to pick that up and take it to work every day. Well, that's fantastic. Such a great way to wrap it up. I want to say personally, you know, thank you to you and the Good Brand team. As I say, like it's amazing to harness and bottle that core. That soul of Anthesis. It was really exciting to see that come out. And I love the kind of mandate, right? And that shift of responsibility and that recognition of this is something that we need to do both as an organization and as individuals to respond to the decisive decade. James, thank you so much. Really appreciate all of this insight. Thank you to everybody for listening. We look forward to kind of engaging with you as as a kind of partner in this activation activator mindset. James, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Chris. It's been a pleasure. Um, And yeah, look forward to talking in a year's time. Wonderful. Well, thanks, everybody. Take care.